As superhero movies are becoming mainstream entertainment at theaters around the world, comic fans also have plenty of heroic action on the small screen to keep them sated while waiting for the next blockbuster. We are in a golden age of superhero television shows, with plenty of offerings from both the Marvel and DC universes, and the trend shows no sign of slowing down. To chronicle these recent shows and even examine some of the classics, we are proud to present Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV. In every podcast, we'll be doing recaps of individual episodes of one Marvel show and one DC show until we catch up to them or some supervillains shut us all down. My name is Scott McGregor, and I'm the fastest podcaster alive. That's what she said. And I'm Chris Tyler, one of your agents of cool. To bring you this podcast, we each have to become someone else. We each have to become something else. Two! Time of the preacher when the story began of the choice of a lady and the love of a man how he loved her so dearly. He went out of his mind When she left him for someone She left behind She was fucking me as a pagan, too. I didn't have to convert. <laughs> I didn't have to convert. That's a soundbite right there. Yeah. Snip that out. <laughs> They, they shouldn't have let me in, actually. I got in under the, our recruitment is low plan, I think, because I, I hadn't been divorced, and, like, I was asking him, like, isn't this usually a requirement of yours? And he's like, well, you get an annulment. And I'm like, well, I can't afford one of your fucking annulments, because it costs, like, $700. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, you sure it's, uh, you know, I'm like, let me let me tell you this. Like, well, they'll I, still baptize you. They just won't remarry you in the church. Right, right, yeah, yeah. Well, they said it would be pretty easy, or I might be able to get a waiver on the money, because I told him it, like, it is it is relatively easy yeah now. well I, I told him like well would this qualify for a catholic church divorce i got married in a pagan wedding ceremony she's like yeah okay i think we'll do that i think that'll be okay like i should be i should be your fucking poster boy <laughs> right. 25 years as a wiccan and then becoming catholic you guys that'll love me <laughs> yeah you don't see you don't see it usually go that way no yeah it usually goes the other way definitely most go the other direction. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Weekly Heroics, a Two True Freaks examination of comic book TV shows. My name is Chris Tyler, the Ham Metal Hero, and I am here with my amazing co-host, Scott Where? 2.0. Oh, me. Yeah, thank you. And Good I day. am also joined by the lovely Serotonin. Oh, he called me lovely. <laughs> Don't know me very well. Hi. And, and you're back. We we had to do this without you. Lila. We had to do our inaugural show, sort of. I know. I know. You. It feels yeah. weird. Well, you know, there was there was birthdays, and then the next day was leaving for New York. So I was I was uh, indisposed. Yeah, I can't blame you. Say. Can't blame you there. Well, this is our own little like our, our weird little pocket universe of our new show that isn't even out yet. So. Um, <laughs> yeah, we're releasing these as uh, five-minute freaks until we get our infrastructure up. 
but we're we're talking preacher, you know. And uh, I just I, I love this show so much from the get go. I basically put you know hero in a virtual chicken wing and said we're fucking doing preacher. You don't have to twist my arm no. to come preacher. No, it was pretty easy. And um, so we're going to try to keep up on this one uh, weekly, and we're going to catch up this week to where the show is at with episodes three and four. And then we will kind of filter in the other episodes we've already done with stuff like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and The Flash. Uh, just willy-nilly. Who knows? Make them out willy. on Tuesday, fucking Saturday night at 3 in the morning, probably. Another one will come out. And, <laughs> but we're going to provide a steady flow of content for you here at Two True Freaks. And, uh, steady flow. Hopefully, yes. <laughs> Let it flow. No prostate issues <laughs> here. No. Yeah. No. no. No, we leave all the bad bodily functions to Dr. Bill Robinson. <laughs> He's our designated sick boy. <laughs> yeah. Well, oh. um, but you are, you're, you're all caught up here. We didn't, we didn't get to talk about the first two episodes yet, really, but I take it you were hooked like I was because it's freaking Preacher. Yeah, I'm, uh, I, I dug the, the intro two episodes that felt uh, to me when I was initially watching the first two. I felt like they're almost like zero issues. They're really kind of dangling just the the sort of entry-level weirdness yeah. at the audience instead of just sort of barreling into everything. It's been a, kind of a slow burn so far, but I have not, not enjoyed it. Um, I think it needs to do a... A lot of work to, one, hook the audience, and two, not bombard them with the amount of insanely crazy stuff that's about to come at them, so I can understand why they're taking their time with it a little bit. Yeah, and it's already been some crazy stuff. I mean, Cassidy definitely had a world-class introduction. and um, yeah, yeah, he ate about the same amount of steak that I usually do. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you like yours rare, too, then, I take Yes, it. I do. All right. <laughs> What kind of preacher are you? <laughs> oh, God, the accent's amazing. Yeah. Uh, okay. So I guess we're ready to get into this. I'm going to run through a Wikipedia-supplied synopsis of episode three. Excellent. Which was titled The Possibilities. All right. So let's jump on in here. So the episode opens with Tulip uh, meeting uh, the woman named Danny that she's mentioned a few times on the show already in Houston, Texas. And uh, she hands over the map to her. In return, Danny gives her uh, just a little note with an address on it. So um, we cut to a flashback, and there's a car speeding away from Tulip in an alleyway uh, while alarms are going off. Then we then cut back to the present, where Tulip tells Danny that was the day she lost everything, including her relationship with Jesse. Afterwards, Danny sits behind a mysterious man in white in a pop-up movie theater and hands him the map. He dismisses her, and the man in white leaves the theater. Uh, eagle-eyed comic veterans will automatically realize that that is most likely her star, mm-hmm. um, which uh, is a pretty neat way to introduce him. Uh, not really beating you over the head with him yet. At the Sundowner Motel, Sheriff Root interrogates one of the angels, actually both the angels, and they explain that something got loose and ended up in Anvil. If that's not a nebulous thing to say, I don't know what is. Uh, Sheriff Root asks if they're talking about an escaped prisoner, and they say yes. Uh, and technically they're not lying. No. Uh, Sheriff Root bemoans the state of humanity, 
and tells this horrific story that I'm not even going to attempt to to talk about. Uh, after Sher Root leaves, Fior, uh, Fior, that's one of the angels, suggests that they try using the can again on Jesse, revealing an assortment of guns. At the Loach residence, Mrs. Loach, this is, this is the girl that's in the coma, mm-hmm. uh, <clears throat> Mrs. Loach tells Emily that uh, Tracy's eyes opened after Jesse prayed with her. He did uh, use the word of God on her at the end of episode two, and we see that, yeah, she opened her eyes, but <laughs> that's about all she's doing. Yeah, right yeah, as expected, it didn't restore her brain, so just no, well, to work he, on his wording. He didn't exactly say think, he just said open yeah. your eyes. Um... Okay, so we cut to uh, Donnie, who's walking his son to the school bus stop, and he tells him not to worry about the noises coming from the bedroom. This is all leading back into finding out that Donnie and his uh, wife like to get a little um, little Christian Grey going on. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Don- Donnie adds that adult relationships can be complicated, and the son apo- apologizes for ratting out Donnie to Jesse and says uh, he attacked a-, a boy who was making fun of uh, Donnie for getting beat up by him, uh, by Jesse. Uh, Linus uh, picks up a line of kids in his school bus. Um, He uh, smiles at the young girl that he once desired and asks her name, his memory of the girl having been wiped out by Jesse. The kids on the bus erupt in squeals when they see Donnie, mimicking the sound that he made when Jesse beat him up and broke his Mm -hmm. arm. And Donnie yells at them all. So we cut to the church where Cassidy answers a knock at the front door and finds a coffee, uh, coffin with the body of Ted. Uh, Emily tells Cassidy to handle the body. Emily's the uh, the assistant that Jesse's had since the show started here. So that's a new character. But I guess they need someone for Jesse to talk to. It's yeah. not either Tulip or, or Cassidy. Cassidy grabs the keys to the van and... Uh, then he sees uh, Jesse sitting in the common room, and uh, Jesse quietly just tells him, I want to show you something. We cut to a cop pulling Tulip over for speeding, and he asks her to step out of the car. Uh, before the cop gets over, Tulip slips on a, uh, a ring, and uh, that prompts the, uh, the officer to ask uh, where she served. He lightens up as she tells him this elaborate lie about her time in the military and the fact that she's speeding to uh, go save somebody's life. Uh, <laughs> so the feminine wiles definitely worked on this cop. Mm-hmm. The cop lets her go. Um, and then we cut back to uh, Jesse kind of being a dick to Cassidy and making him do all this stuff because he has the word of God. Uh, Cassidy is rather excited about this. Uh, he does order Cassidy to fly, at which time Cassidy launches himself into the wall, which I yeah. found absolutely hilarious. <laughs> so we then cut to uh, the Quincannon Meat and Power Plant, uh, where the receptionist leaves an envelope on Odin Quincannon's desk. At the church, Cassidy brainstorms, brainstorms explanations for Jesse's superpower and ask what, asks what it feels like. Uh, Jesse describes it as all of God's creation inside me. At the motel, the two angels are outfitting in, themselves in helmets and bulletproof vests, ready to go after Jesse. Cut to Quincannon's office, where Donnie reads a letter from the owner of a company called Green Acre. Donnie offers to beat up the owner, uh, and Quincannon uh, doesn't really say anything, but he does tell Donnie to clear his lunch away. <laughs> Donnie can't pick it up because he's got his arm in a cask because... Jesse beat the shit out of him. And after he fumbles around with it, <laughs> Quinn Cannon uh, throws out the line, 
<laughs> a right hand man with no right hand, which I also thought was rather uh, kind of a prickish thing to say, but it fits with Queen Cannon if you know him from the comics. Yeah. Uh, so we cut to Cassidy uh, using the uh, cremating Ted's body, and uh, as he returns with the ashes, he sees uh, the two angels. Jesse drives down. Uh, Jesse's driving down the road with Tulip pulling. So this is a horribly written synopsis. We then cut to Jesse driving down the road with Tulip pulling up next to him, showing Jesse the address that Danny gave her. We have a flashback of Jesse standing over a dead security guard whom he shot in the head. And that's the alarms that were sounding in the earlier flashback. Tulip screaming at the getaway car as it speeds away. And now back in the present, Tulip proposes that they kill Carlos. That was the guy that was driving away in the flashbacks. Jesse and Tulip end up driving off together. Okay, so we now cut to the two angels walking towards the church, loaded for bear. Cassidy runs them over with the van, killing them. Yep. Again. Yep. <laughs> Cassidy looks at the bodies and recognizes them as the men he killed in the chainsaw fight. He believes them to be clones, so he heads back into the church to find some cleanup supplies. Inside, he runs into the two angels again. Before he can kill them again, they explain that they've come for Jesse, not him. This whole time, Cassidy thinks that they're the vampire hunting uh, group that's been after him since the beginning of the show. So we, uh, we end up at a gas station with uh, Tulip and Jesse. Jesse wanders off to use the bathroom. While he's in the bathroom, Donnie sneaks up on him with a gun, and in a very vulgar display of power, uh, Jesse messes with uh, with Donnie, tells him to uh, sit down in the toilet, put the gun in his mouth, cock the hammer, and uh, at this point, Jesse finally realizes, oh, crap, whatever I tell this people really to working, do, yes. <laughs> yeah, they're going to do it. That's your turn to make the sound. <laughs> Wee! Come on, come on, come on. Wee, wee! Come on, come on. Damn it, I said squeal! Ain't gonna squeal for you, Donnie. Oh, you're gonna die for me. Not that, neither. But I will make a deal with you. Cops find your body, I'll make it look like a suicide. No reason for the whole town to know I beat you like a bitch twice. So this causes him to sort of reevaluate where he is. He leaves the bathroom and he tells Tulip he's not going with her to find Carlos, and he just starts walking back towards town. We then uh, cut back again to the church where the angels are telling Cassidy that people will die if they don't retrieve what's inside Jesse Coster. Cassidy asks what they want to do with it, and they simply reply nothing it's something that must never be used and cassidy asks which branch of the government we're from where the tall lanky angel says we're from heaven yep just blurts uh, it out so, the other one's trying to play like he's human the other one just blurts out heaven yeah yeah uh, outside cassidy tells the angels that he'll talk to jesse about their mission and try to convince jesse to come to them we cut to sheriff's Ru- sheriff root's house where uh, Arseface, which they haven't called him yet, unfortunately, uh, tells his uh, dad, Sheriff Root, about Tracy opening her eyes and suggests that they pay a visit to the, to the girl's house, and Sheriff Root tells his son to stay away. The next day, Jesse recites his eulogy for, for Ted only to Emily in the church graveyard. In a nearby field, the lid on a vent flies open, emitting a gas before it closes shut again. Dun, dun, dun. Yeah. 
So um, this was really the episode where it's okay. We got to start laying some cards on the table here. Yeah, and they haven't been shy about. Uh, I mean, you talked about bringing in uh, the character in the movie theater there, but they've they've been seating. Man, they brought out a lot of the the characters in the comics out kind of early. Yeah, I mean, they've shown the flashbacks with Jesse's dad. I mean, Saint of Killers, and well, no one knows what the Saint of Killers is yet, but that cowboy dude in the second uh, episode is guy called the Saint of Killers, presumably. Yes, and he's going to be important. (laughs) Very. (laughs) And so. Yeah, I mean, they're walking a fine line between having it be completely obtuse and trying to throw you enough mystery to keep people that haven't read this series engaged. And I think the benefit of having that series already, it's done. It's 66 issues, not counting the spinoffs. They know exactly where it needs to start and where it needs to end, so they can play around with it. Yeah, yeah. And we were talking earlier off recording that I actually think they've, and I said in the last episode that I think they were actually improved on the comic a little bit, if that's you know possible, in an adaptation, and that uh, they're just more plot to it. They're they're able to breathe a little bit, and and they've changed some of the backstories and stuff. Um, yeah, which I'm fine with. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, because the comic itself just starts off, you know, hit the ground running, and Tulip and Cassidy show up together. I think, if I remember correctly, and he's stowed away in the back of her car, isn't he? I see. I don't recall. Uh, I've like blacked you mean he out. Doesn't fly out of the back of a out of an airplane in the comic. No, book? no, no. It <laughs> it's just actually a much more that. dramatic. It is. It's that much... was pretty freaking awesome. Yeah. So. <laughs> Yeah, so I like what they're doing with that, and and as we'll learn in this next recap that we... Vampire Hunter on tap, and then a very <laughs> fast fall. Yeah, so it's it's the, the the characterizations have been great. I said the, the most uninteresting character so far is, is Jesse, um, which is fine, because he's only as good as the people surrounding him in this. But that's starting to pick up, too. Yeah, um, yeah, I mean, there's still the way that they're playing this. There's a long way to go. I, I doubt it'll be before the end of the season when he finalizes his mission statement, which yeah. we, we know from the books. But yeah. uh, there's a lot more to go before he can actually come to that realization. I, I'm actually surprised how much of the mythology that they're kind of letting loose right from the get go. Because, as I said, man, they they kind of. When they first were promoting this, and I don't know if this was maybe Seth Rogen and company didn't have anything to do with this aspect of it, but it almost seemed like the marketing people in the beginning were trying to make this either mysterious and kind of misdirecting on what the actual plot is, you know, or that there is actually heavenly supernatural stuff going on. Uh oh, who'd I lose? Fuck. Hey, I think Sarah's having some interminet problems, possibly. Fuck, I'm going to give a little rant, too, and I don't remember what I was saying. (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) Oh, there's a message. Message? She's typing. Typing back. Input. Input. (laughs) All right, well... (laughs) We're back. You might not know we're gone, depending on what kind of an editor I am. But uh, we've lost serotonin, apparently. Um, she, was, she fell victim to uh, one of Cassidy's feeding frenzies, and she will be <laughs> back with us tonight, apparently. 
try to feed her a cow and hopefully she can reconstitute later. <laughs> uh, that's how I reconstitute. <laughs> yeah. yeah, me too. Meat. Uh, I, I, I'm, assuming, I'm assuming we might not be as much of fans of meat after we watched a little more of this show and Odin Quincannon gets going. Um, <laughs> but... Uh, what I think I was saying before we were rudely interrupted by faulty technology um, was that I'm surprised that they, they're kind of throwing a lot of the cards on the table in this because originally the marketing had kind of kind of pissed me off because it sounded like they were going to go way different from the comics, but they're diving headfirst into, you know, with, uh, what is it, Fior saying, I'm from heaven, you know, even when yep. DeBlanc is trying to still do the men in black thing. Um, so, so there's definitely, uh, can you believe them yet though? You don't really know. No, but we're in a world that has vampires and people that are hunting vampires. So, you know, why not? I mean, I've read the comics, you've read the comics. I'm I'm trying to like put myself in other people's shoes and, and see what this looks like to someone who has no freaking idea about it. And it's just (laughs) gotta be just jaw droppingly weird at this point. And, oh yeah. uh, (laughs) And it's just, uh, I said they ain't easing people into it at all, or just kind of hitting the ground running, which is, I think is awesome. But I'm hoping the audience is there <laughs> because I want to see this play out all the way. I want them to finish the comic and go beyond if they can. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, yeah, I'm definitely intrigued to to see where it ends up going. I guess that's about it for episode three, I suppose. As you said, it is kind of a slow burn, and they're not especially episode three. Compared to, it doesn't seem like a lot happened. You know, it, Cassidy's literally been talking to Fjord and DeBlanc uh, for a couple episodes now and negotiating, you know, them not going after Cassidy again, you know, when he's not killing them for a second and third time. <laughs> yeah. um, which, that was just brilliant seeing them gearing up, you know, full commando mode and then just getting fucking flattened. Yeah. Um, you know, you're expecting another big Donnybrook, you know, like the, the the church fight, and it's just like, nope, squish, move on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, well, I mean, not every episode can. I mean, the bombshells in this are not the the of the violent kind. It's the oh god, I can tell people exactly what to do, and okay, these guys are saying they're from heaven. There's a lot going on. It's just not a lot of visceral stuff going on. Yeah. Um, so I guess we'll move on to episode four, uh, which I will do a recap for here. Probably way too long of one, like That's usual. Right. Um, but episode four is called Monster Swamp. Yeah, we open on a shot of a woman in her underwear. Always a good start to a TV show. Running, <laughs> and, and we soon discover that the girls at the whorehouse... I was like, what the hell's going on at first? Um, we find out that the girls at the whorehouse are engaged in some bizarre hunting game as they're being chased through the pastures by men with paintball guns. Uh, one girl, Lacey, gets shot in the chest with one by Clive, and she falls into a mysterious sinkhole, um, presumably and definitely to her death. Uh, we cut to a flashback of young Jesse, um, presumably getting his dad's church ready for a Sunday sermon. And uh, I think it should be noticed that Jesse's dad actually looks like Jesse in the comics. Yeah, uh, more than our, our current Jesse does, so I think that's an, in, an intentional little nod. Um, back to the present day, uh, Jesse is praying, and Cassidy is waiting to talk to him about the mysterious strangers and their bloody attempt to remove uh, the power from Jesse. Cassidy tries in vain to explain the details, but Jesse essentially ignores them, as he's been several times when you know 
Cassidy tries to tell him he's a vampire. You know, Jesse's just kind of like... And Brian asked me a question last week, like, is this universe... Do people know about vampires in this universe? Is it, like, no big thing? And I don't think that was the case. In the no, comics, there's, but, there's a couple of people that know that they exist. Yeah. And that's about it. And so, I mean, Jesse's just kind of like... Jesse's kind of like being a real dick to Cassidy, even though he... he seems to really like him, but he just is basically has so much on his mind that, you know, uh, Cassidy could pretty much tell him anything and he it wouldn't phase him because he's not listening to him. Yeah. You know, the other night we kind of tied one on. Now, I'm a big believer in live and let live, but when someone comes up one of my friends brandishing a bloody chancellor, we're going to have issues. A dozen pieces buried in a suitcase and that's it. Problem solved, right? Good. Good, except, except they come back. The vampire hunters. Yes, except, except they weren't vampire hunters. They were like government agency clones, I think, or like androids with human innards. Yeah, Jesse leaves and Cassidy puts a hastily thrown together uh, sudden protection outfit on, which is quite humorous, <laughs> which Jesse does notice and then, you know, asks him why he's, you know, wearing such idiotic clothes. Um, he chases after him, tries to get him to listen, but again, you know, it, Jesse's not connecting the dots on why this guy might need to stay out nope. of the sun. <laughs> well, we, we we cut to the pastures. We see the sheriff extracting Lacey from her muddy or possibly shit-filled death pit. Uh, we learn that our uh, the mysterious meat company president owns the land, and he makes a cold announcement about how people should really be more careful. You know, and no one in the town seems overly upset about the death, and that bewilders Tulip, who is at the extraction. We even get a. You know, don't worry about it, Tulip, it's Chinatown. Yeah. Um, <laughs> just out of the blue, why not? Uh, there's actually a couple little nods that I noticed in this one. Uh, that one was pretty obvious. But Jesse visits Emily, um, who's assistant there, and asks for ideas how to fill the church. She relates that people have heard about him breaking into the pedophile bus driver's house and are a little concerned about that. Um, Jesse tells her he's going to do something wonderful to fill the seats, and my brain went to 2010, of course. Um, you know, Space Odyssey 2. Oh, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if it was intentional or not, but being Seth Rogen, it possibly is. Uh, we go to another flashback of young Jesse again, and we see him punished by his dad for, I think it was, what, smoking maybe in front of the church? Looks like he was, yeah, he was smoking with two, clearly two young Tulip and mm-hmm. somebody else. And uh, he gets the old belt treatment right in front of his friends. Um, he has to be an example. Yeah, yeah. He's the preacher side. <laughs> um, Cassidy goes back to Fjord and DeBlanc uh, to express his failure in getting Jesse to come for the extraction. We learn a little bit more about the entity and uh, that's inside Jesse and the men are probably, in fact, from heaven. Um, they're definitely not really trying to hide that anymore. Cassidy, no. Cassidy scams them out of some money uh, to get Jesse to come to them, and which he promptly spends on hookers and drugs. In, yeah. Which is pure Cassidy. Um, Fiora and DeBlanc contemplate calling their superiors, but uh, think better of it as they are apparently on Earth without authorization, and um, presumably the powers that be don't know that they're off chasing this thing, which I'm just going to start calling fucking Genesis. Because it's Genesis. Genesis! We haven't named it in the show yet, but I'm assuming they will eventually. They have to. Yeah. Uh, The mayor goes to visit Odin Quincannon, who tries to express that uh, a mysterious death is a bad thing, and he wants to know more about the sinkholes. He gets nowhere. Odin calls him out on meeting with uh, Green Acre, 
um, kind of an environmental organic farming group and who wants to partner up with Quinn Cannon and tells him a story about his how his grandfather once, quote-unquote, took care of competition in the past, implying that it was done violently. The mayor is clueless is, and isn't taking the hint, so Odin proceeds to take a piss on the mayor's briefcase to... <laughs> As you do. ...put an exclamation point on the, uh, on the point. Um, speaking of meats... And I do frequently. One of the heavenly uh, duo is watching a burger commercial and decides he wants one. And after a false alarm of the bat phone ringing, he leaves uh, to get some food. Clearly not knowing how food sales work in this world, he asks the front desk for a burger. <laughs> and the biggest Texas burger. Yeah, and it has shown the vending machine instead. Emily comes back. We find that the mayor is watching her kids for her. Um, they start to drink some wine together, and we learn that Emily... And the mayor are having some uh, little casual sex going on, but she makes it very clear that they will never be together. He's, uh, you know, she gets her booty call from him and some free babysitting, and, and that's all there is to it. Yeah. Cut to Lacey's funeral at the whorehouse, and uh, Tulip speaks up and calls them out on the stupid and dangerous night activities they're engaged in. She finds very little empathy for the deceased. Uh, we find out, and in fact, the uh, the whorehouse, in, in honor of the fallen Lacey, gives an hour free, you know, free nookie uh, for their customers, which can't, can't beat that, man. I, I didn't mean, even take it as the nookie. I thought it was the booze. Oh, wow. well, maybe. I don't know. Or maybe it's just my mind, you know, thinking of how much I could get done in an hour for free. Uh, <laughs> what, do you, what do you do with the other 59 minutes? <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. I personally move on to the next woman, but I don't know about y'all mortals. Uh, <laughs> thank God Sarah's not around to dispute me on that right now. <laughs> Hush up, Harold. Uh, anywho, we find out that Tulip's mom used to be employed at the brothel. Um, Tulip snaps and attacks who she thinks is Clive, making him fall out of the window, but ends up being poor Cassidy. And next we see her <laughs> rushing him to the hospital as he's bleeding out on her lap. And she's praying to God, you know, please save this guy. Please save this guy. I didn't mean it. I'll be good i'll be good you won't even recognize me he scams a kiss from her and she's trying to check him in uh to the hospital cassidy you know with a great scene of his sitting there with a piece of glass sticking out of his neck uh cassidy disappears and not surprisingly we we find him rejuvenating himself on the hospital's blood supply and we assume that tulip now unlike jesse accepts that he's probably a vampire flashback you know know, he just might be a real creep (laughs) yeah well (laughs) Uh, I'm thinking that Tulip's, uh, you know, a, a world-weary woman. She might have encountered some supernatural shit in her time. At least there's world-weary, so and and then there's a guy with a piece of plate glass sticking out of his <laughs> yeah. neck. But when that same guy is all better and, and sitting next to a, a, a empty blood supply, you, your mind's got to start working in the vampire direction, I would think. I guess so. Uh, it's, it's in enough of, you know, pop culture mindset that I think that would probably trigger the vampire response. But uh, Tulip being Tulip is probably unfazed by that. Uh, flashback back to young Jesse and Dad. We get the sense that Jesse's dad has done something bad to someone while Jesse is waiting outside of a room. Um, he makes mention that some people just can't be saved, Jesse. It's Odin Quinn Cannon's room. Oh, is it? Did you pick up on that? No, I didn't. No. The nameplate on the door says Odin Quinn Cannon. Oh, it's okay. the o- it's the Quinn Cannon factory. Ah, gotcha. In. Oh, that makes uh, the next scene make a lot more sense. Thank you, Hero. Um, well, Jesse steals a ashtray from the Quinn Cannon factory. Yep, yep. 
Yeah, because we, we get back to uh, Quinn Cannon and Jesse are building a model of the Alamo, and it's clear that they have a history together and they know each other pretty well. Jesse is trying to convince Odin to come to church, and Quinn Cannon expresses a pretty atheistic view of things and refuses. Uh, Jesse tries to sell him on the judgment argument, and Odin is not turned, but then Jesse offers his father's land in exchange for his attendance, and uh, Odin says, yeah, that'll work. So we cut to Sunday with the big letters across the scene, uh, screen to show us that it's Sunday, <laughs> and we find a full congregation at the church, including Quinn Cannon. Jesse does a sermon about the bad state of the world and how he understands that religion seems futile to some, and he plays the blame game on his flock, saying, you know, you are responsible, you're the ones that have left God behind and forgotten the power of the Lord and blah, 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 Christian stuff, and he promises to bring them all back to God. He confronts Odin, right in the pews, who's stubbornly unimpressed and resistant. He tells Jesse to his face that he will not serve God. And then Jesse uses the word on him to serve God, which of course he agrees to. What that is actually going to mean, I'm sure, will end up being something very twisted. Yeah. So I'm suspecting Odin's idea of God is something completely different from what Jesse wants him to think. Yeah. Again, Jesse has to work on his wording. It's like the old Dungeons and Dragons wishes. You have to be very, very specific. <laughs> the monkey's paw. <laughs> yes, exactly that too. Yep. <clears throat> you can't just say "Open your eyes, little girl." You have to say "Open your eyes," and your brain gets better, and your skull comes back, and you know, to be very specific. So back in his hotel room, uh, Fiora is enjoying his vending food when the real phone starts to ring and him and DeBlanc stare nervously at it to end the episode. And presumably we're going to be picking that phone up next week and uh, finding out who they're talking to. So that should be interesting. But, yes. Um, again, not a lot happened in this episode, but we're just character building and backstory building and... And fucking Jackie Earl Haley is just killing it, as he always does. Couldn't have picked someone better for that. No. Um, and uh, I think Brian made... I, I'm not sure if he... Who did he say? Oh, uh, Brian Hughes last week. We were hoping would join us this week, but he got tied up with some family stuff. So maybe he'll join us next week, and maybe we can get Sarah back. Um but he made mention last week that he, he envisions that Cassidy is what Chris Honeywell, you know, would be like. And I'm like, that's fairly accurate. But then Sarah's like, well, yeah, but he looks like Quinn Cannon. And I'm yeah. like, yes, he actually does look like Quinn Cannon completely. And so uh, we, we might have to feed him into some, we have to co-opt his face and use in some Photoshops one of these days as, as Odin Quinn Cannon. Because, yeah, it's pretty much, yeah, him and, and Dr. Savannah. Spitting yeah. image, <laughs> spitting image of pretty much running well. <laughs> so <laughs> excited to see where that goes. Um, I'm not sure how many episodes are even supposed to be in this season. I mean, AMC usually doesn't do ten maybe or 10, 10 I'm seeing. Okay, cool. Next week is called "The South Will Rise Again." Oh boy! And Sundowner is the episode after that, and we don't have any episode names after that, but. Um, man, I'm really enjoying this show, uh, as I expected I would, um, when I first heard about it, or uh, actually uh, most of my fears about it have been, have been washed away, you know, the baptism of Seth Rogen's fandom, I guess, um, cause you can tell there's a respect for that material and that they're, they're not afraid to, to go there as it were, so, 
Yeah, I mean, just straight up dropping ass face in the first episode. You know, it's like, yeah, we're not. They're not burying the lead with that. It's like this is a a very weird world. <laughs> and and the other, get yeah. out of the way. And the only thing I'm worried about is, I mean, we did get a hint. Uh, Cassidy, it was either, yeah, I think it was this episode, maybe even the third episode, that Cassidy makes mention of, you know, you know where this is leading to. You know, we're going to have to go on a road trip when he's trying to explain to Jesse about these, you know, people that are after him, basically. And and, and the comic itself is one big road trip, essentially, um, which, you know, starts right out. I, as I said in the comic, the, the, the church is obliterated as soon as Genesis <laughs> enters. Yeah. <laughs> we don't spend much time in Anvil in the, in the comic. Um, oh. Only thing I worry about is if they go on the road trip, they've, they've already, like, brought in a bunch of characters that are that they're supposed to meet later like Assface and um and Quinn Cannon and such so I mean it, I hope they they leave something or you know maybe even create new characters for us to meet once they hit the there's, road there's plenty of there's plenty yeah. of stuff I mean between the flashback stuff they'll have to do about uh Jesse's dad yeah uh which like I'm I can't wait you know they're gonna end up doing that Vietnam flashback at some point, I hope. And we were talking earlier about his mother has to show yep. up, and you know, yep. to see <laughs> Jesse's more colorful childhood than we've already seen. Um, oh God! When they get to, I am waiting. I am waiting for TC I, and Jody. I see. Oh I, my God! I can barely. Yeah, I I have to go back and start reading it. Brian said last week he's like, "Oh, we should get somebody who's read the comics." I'm like. Well, me and Hero have both read the comics. I remember so little of it that it's, other than the basic premise, oh. I've got to go back and read it. I, I remember quite a lot of it. There, yeah. there, are, there are places, if they actually go the places the comic book goes, they are going to have Christian groups up in arms. Yeah, that's why I'm kind of surprised. Maybe that's why they're kind of getting that out on the table early, you know, just to, well, they haven't really, as you said, given jesse his full mission statement yet um which i'll that, spoil here he wants to make god accountable yeah essentially. which is <laughs> that's a hell of a mission statement yeah well yeah essentially you find out you know there was foreshadowing when he first talked to our space that god is silent and it's basically because he's quit <laughs> because of genesis and uh yeah jesse is gonna go that's gonna have to in the yeah. holy face. <laughs> yeah, that's I mean and that's going to have to be the the birth of Genesis. That's I can't wait to see that flashback because I wonder how they're going to get away with that on TV. Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. See, I don't know if they're going to really go that way or I mean they're definitely it's definitely the the heavenly supernatural shit. They're not going to try like the alien angle that they oh. they originally kind of hinted at, which is good. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I because I wasn't on the the previous episode. That introduction to Genesis in uh, Africa, oh my god, that was that was a hook and a half. Yeah, and they had released that first four minutes like early on before the show came out, and it was uh, <laughs> yeah, quite the start to things. Uh, just just the beginning. We were talking about the the opening credits and and just the beauty of that the retro science fiction thing on that. And, um, yeah, I, w I was a little worried with Seth Rogen in control of this at first, and, and I'm not anymore at all. <laughs> yeah, whoever the writing staff is, they've yeah. 
they picked the the right people. Mm-hmm. I think, and as you said, Garth is pretty much watching this over their shoulders too. So, yeah, we're in a for a fun ride to say the least. Um, yeah, I can't wait to see where all this stuff is going to go. Um, I, I just I want to see how how faithful they'll make it. I mean, you know, if there's going to be uh, animal buggering parties at the Quin Cannon Meatpacking Plant, you know, I kind of want to get there. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I don't think they'll shy away from that at this point. <laughs> and we're going to find out what's underneath the sinkholes and or what's causing them. And yeah, that's that's some weird ass shit in the comics. Yeah, uh, Quinn Cannon is his meat god, which is probably going to end up being the god he decides to serve. Or I actually got thinking about it. You know, what what if they do a little twist and and Quinn Cannon actually goes after the real god himself in order to serve him as meat? <laughs> Who knows? Oh God! <laughs> That's oh yeah, well, yeah. That could Jesus, anything could happen with that. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's gonna go some weird places. I I just I I really do hope it stays on long enough. You know, you can you could probably get away with all the high points from the series and you know two or three seasons if you had to compress it down. But I mean, you know, I I, I do want to see it go on for several years just to to get as many of those side stories and everything you know in well, there as still much as kills possible. Me, what still kills me about amc is like you can literally get away with everything but the fu- the f word on amc still i mean we have an implied blowjob going on in this well in breaking bad they had an entire blowjob montage at one point it was a beautiful thing i don't know if you ever <laughs> watched breaking bad but it was i tried i tried to watch breaking bad it's not really uh, my jam and uh <laughs> But uh, yeah, we get you know all kinds of drugs and sex and rock and roll and and deviance and uh, all the things I love to watch on TV. So that's why it's my network. <laughs> so yeah, but you know, no F word. But that's all right. Yeah, uh, you know what? It's I mean they imply it enough. You know he he says it to God in the first episode. Yeah. Well, f- you too. And then yep. they just <laughs> sort of mute the volume while he's taking a hit off his cigarette and. There you go. It's uh, they they can get away with enough of it, you know. When they get to you know, the descendants of Jesus being inbreds, <laughs> well, we'll see if they get there. Yeah. Spoiler yeah. alert. Yeah, yeah, that might uh, might anger the. I don't think that the church has decided to stay right away from AMC if they're if they're smart. They probably saw the first episode of Walking Dead and be like, yeah, we're this not even going to try to police this one. This is a channel that routinely shows Jaws the Revenge, so I don't think they're afraid of anybody. <laughs> really? <laughs> it was on twice that. while we were in New York. Oh Within 12 hours of each other. <laughs> no shit. <laughs> yeah. Classic. Classic stuff. Yeah. Michael Caine's best role. Oh, Christ. <laughs> It was a payday. It's funny that you said Roll, because his name in that movie was Hoagie. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's right. <laughs> I'm Michael Kine, and I'm named, my name is Hoagie, and I'm a pilot. And I'm cashing a paycheck, and I'm going to skip the Oscars because I'm doing this shitty movie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't mind having his career. No, hell no. This man's still working. He's fucking 89 or something. Uh, but uh, that's it for this week of uh, Weekly Heroics, the Two True Freaks Guide to Superheroes on TV or Antiheroes on TV. This is our special edition Preacher recaps. And we're going to keep these going. We're going to have the other stuff out to you very, very soon. We've got some artwork I'm working on for our, our Photoshop, thanks to uh, Mr. Andy Capellish 
I want to thank him for making a great logo for us. It's I just gotta, yeah, I just gotta get in Photoshop and do some coloring on it. And he, he drew us a nice cityscape to put our little guy on, and it's gonna look fucking awesome. Um, so very excited about this, and uh, I think we're gonna keep doing. I think we're gonna alternate with the older shows and the recaps, and and find some newer stuff to do too. Even if uh, like we got stuff like Damage Control coming on TV and the, the DC one that's like the office or the insurance company with DC characters. Yeah. You know, we're going to get crazy there. too. We might even go back and do like 70 shows, you know, special episodes. We don't know. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, I, I got thinking today. I think we need to do the incredible Hulk eventually for one. But, uh, There's some, definitely some key episodes of that that I would love to cover. Yeah. But I'm going to wrap it up and uh, thank you, Mr. Hero for joining us this week and we'll see you again it's, next week. Pleasure as always. Stick around. Who's Bunny the Bear Trap now? As the sun rose up over the sea, everyone was singing in a minor key. Buddhists, Hindus, Jews, and priests gathered around for the Jubilee. Lady still waiting on a sign Growing bitter with age like a yellow tail Shouting at the junkies in the cold street light Do the next right thing or the next thing right Oh, oh you're a long way from home It may sing oh, oh, people need a miracle To do the next right thing We were finally invited aboard one of these spacecraft, which landed near Ann Arbor, Michigan on October the 24th of 1954. This is a drawing of the craft. As I was leaving the craft, the commander, Soltek, said, soon others of your people will be able to have an experience similar to this.
Whole town's been hearing stories about, uh, you're a tough guy. So show us. This is no time for fighting. We're at war. 